going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. September is now here. We are here on the 1st, on this Friday, to preview the Austin Peay Governors along with other stuff. We're just so happy it is here for get week one tomorrow. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, we've, it's, we're here. We've, we've kind of narrowed down how many episodes we've done since we were ramping up for this in the summer. I think that's about the fifth one. I think we've done good on some things of covering everything up to this point. We have a lot of stuff to, to dig into, like the 2D depth chart that came out on Monday. Not a whole lot there that surprised us. In a different way, we'll talk about what did surprise us. And then press conference was here. No, we, we always kick off with the commits. We'll do that right away. But we're just excited that week one is here because then everything will start rolling for us. What's going on? Yeah, this is one of the best best times of the year when we get to see. Uh, obviously, we had some week zero action last week with a couple FCS teams involved, but um, this is really week one. Got to see some Valley teams kick off last night. Um, got to see some really good ones. Got to see some really bad ones. So we'll discuss that here shortly. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's here. I mean, we get to have the, the season preview opener uh, against Austin Peay State. Um, the governor's coming in here um, where it's going to be a good test at, at home. Always love opening at home, especially like we've been talking about. This weather this week has been perfect, and it, hopefully it stays that way for tomorrow night. It should be around the 80s throughout the day. It'll be We've been seeing it be cooler in the evening, so maybe we can count on that. It's a busy day going on out there tomorrow. We work, but we will definitely get over there quickly. We talked about, obviously, we always eat at Bandana's Barbecue. It's always the pregame spot before, so we will be there. And then we will be there because, obviously, everybody wants to get that bobblehead that, you know, is going there. And they've got a lot of other stuff we'll dive into when we get into the preview about what's going on there. So, so excited. And you're right, some teams did play. Three teams that we play this season played in the last couple days, and there's one that plays tonight. So everything's getting ramped up for this. Um, we'll talk about Nick Hill's presser. We'll talk about around the Valley stuff, NFL, <clears throat> NFL Salukis. And yes, we'll have our usual game predictions, everything with that near the end. I know I mentioned the commits. We were talking about it before this, about 11 guys and some have played some have, or some are ramping up now this week. Um, we'll let you dive into that at first, what these guys have going on. Um, it was a busy July and August for us of getting guys, and now it's ramping up for them in an exciting senior season. Yeah, it's uh, obviously when high school football around here started last week, some guys have already um, kicked off their seasons a couple weeks ago, so we'll see exactly what our commits have done, starting off with uh, just start off with Ben Feigl. He's an athlete, probably going to be more the defensive side, um, 6'3", 220 at a Batavia, Illinois. Um, they kicked off last week against a good Chicago Phillips school. They won 42 to 20, um, really good win for Ben and his team. Um, scrolling down here to see what Ben did on the defensive side, led the way for his defense, eight tackles, four and a half or four tackles for a loss. So, um, this is a kid where I expect him to be just like every other guy, we really seen defensively lately, especially at linebacker position, whether it's Ben Bogle or Miles Wash, just tackling machines and getting these guys in here to uh, early days of their of their career to be able to play on that special teams and tackle machines and uh, eventually find a role in that defense. So um, big win for their their team last night. Um, they play Lincoln Way East 
tonight. So Lincoln Way East, a pretty big school in the state of Illinois. So they're they're going to be battle tested after this one. Just going to our next one, and Lucas McDaniel is another athlete, plays tight end, plays defensive end, six five two thirty at a Jefferson Town High School. Um, we've been seeing him tweeting a lot, and uh, his team's two and zero. They beat Iroquois forty six nothing in week one. They got a big win. He posted his stats. Um, had three catches for like 127 yards and three touchdowns or two touchdowns, I think. So that's another big one. Then last week they beat Shawnee 28-26. Um, didn't see him post any stats that week either. Then tonight they're on the road against Breckenridge County. Uh, one and one on the year Breckenridge is. So that's a, another good game for them. Um, best of luck, Lucas. Then we're going to over to Evansville or Edwardsville, and our one of our quarterback commits and Jake Curry, six foot one eighty five. Um, they 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 went on or they had a home game against a, a state of Missouri school in Jackson, who's a pretty good powerhouse over there in the state of Missouri. They beat them thirty to twenty one. Um, really good win for Edwardsville. They're a seven A 7A school here in the state of Illinois. Uh, Jake um, was 26 of 42 for 332 yards, four touchdowns, did throw a pick um, on the ground. Then they looks like they, they are an air raid offense because looks like the, he was their second leading rusher with 12 carries for four yards. Obviously, that's with sacks and stuff, but big time, big time. I think you said you saw on Twitter he threw a game when he touched down. Yeah, he did, and you said air raid. It's like, yeah, he threw it 42 times with doing some other things. It's like he's definitely talented, and um, there's a reason why, and we'll talk about some others you'll mention of like where they'll stick at the position, and he's definitely talented doing it for a school. We know it produced NFL players, produced, you know, really good high-level basketball players, so if he's leading the way there. I think that's a good sign, and yeah, he did. 33 and a half seconds left through the game winner, so it's a good week for Jake. Yeah, they are on a familiar. They're on the road on against a familiar foe. Uh, really, I guess fun's not the word place to go, but it's intimidating to go there. They're on the road at Cahokia tonight, so we've been there a bunch of times. Um, I've been up there for a couple football games. It's a cool atmosphere. Um, they show out up there when they score touchdowns. They have a. They're called the Comanches, and they have a guy dressed up like an Indian that rides rides around the track and on a horse. So. Pretty cool atmosphere up there in Cahokia, so that's going to be a tough one there. See what they do. Um, our next commit um, was Blaine Sissons, another quarterback, 6'2", 120, plays at Mount Carmel. Like I said, when they when when we got him, Mount Carmel plays in a conference over in Indiana, but is eligible for IHSA playoffs and stuff. They lost on the road against Gibson Southern, um, uh, 21-14. Looking at stats here. For our quarterback commit, if they posted them, they did not. So, um, looks like uh, did you see something on Twitter about him too? Yeah, he said that, or he caught like a, a sideline catch, kept his foot in as a receiver. This is the guy we mentioned. How you know, obviously he might stick a quarterback, but he can obviously catch the ball as well. It's probably a thirty-five yard catch. Um, he said normally play QB, but had a snap at receiver, so he had probably a thirty-five yard catch and everything else he did at quarterback. Yeah, they are on the road at Effingham, the Flaming Hearts tonight. That's a cool place to play as well, so best of luck to him. Going to our other quarterback commit where we think we'll definitely stay at quarterback is E.T. Harris, 6'2", at a Kentucky Country Day down in Louisville. 
His team is 2-0. and um, They started a couple weeks ago. A win over Atherton, 31-20. Um, that's a big win there. See if they posted any stats. They did not. So we'll try to find those in the next couple weeks. Then they won last week, 51-21 over Carroll County. They are on the road against DeSales tonight. Um, a one-and-one team's there. So E.T., um, keep doing your thing. We know hopefully he stays at the quarterback position. Um, it's a guy where with the ability he has, he needs to. We haven't seen a – I don't think we've ever seen that. We haven't seen ever a dual-threat guy like him at the quarterback's position at SIU. So going to our next one, our tight end commit in Aiden Morardi. He's 0-1 on the year. They lost to Wabanese Valley 28-7 last week. So – not a good start to his senior season. They did not post any stats as well, so we'll keep trying to find those. Like I said, but um, they're on. They're at home this week against Lincoln Way West, a one and zero school. So um, going to be another battle test there. So hopefully they can get their first one of the season. Um, then going down down in Kentucky to one of our other offensive line commits um, in Quinton Boak, 6'5", 275. 270-pound um, offensive lineman. His um, Owensboro is 0-2 on the year, so off to a rough start with a 28-14 loss to Christian Academy out of Louisville, then a 42-28 loss to Bowling Green. Um, they play an 0-2 team, Davies County, tonight. So see which team wants to get their first win more. Um, hopefully Quentin can get bounced back. Then going to another offensive line commit, and our guy, Jack Lindsay, um, he's off to a bad start. I'm sorry, I messed this up. It's it's Jack Lindsay's 0-2. He's from Owensville. Quentin Bokes over in Evansville at Evans or at Evansville Rides, 3-2-0. Um, they're off to a good start for his senior season. So hopefully Quentin can keep keep it up. They play Jasper on the road tonight. They beat Evansville Harrison 45 nothing first week. Then Vincennes Lincoln 23-7 last week. So hopefully Quentin can stay undefeated. We've had a lot of seems like all our offensive linemen, their teams are been really good the last couple of years, just winning left and right. So going to our next one, um, we got three more here. We know we have. Nate Tronzo at a Trinity High School down in Louisville. He's a 6'4", 235-pound um, defensive end. Um, they're 1-1 one one on the year. They won their opening week 36-3 over Bryan Station out of the Lexington area and lost to Frederick Douglass 17-14 um, this past week. They are on the road um, at Center Grove, a 1-1 one one team this week. Then our guy Tyrese Reed. Over at Webster Groves, Missouri, 0-2 on the year. Mostly known for basketball, but I'd love to see some of his tape. Um, they lost Rock to Rockwood Summit, 56-14. Then they lost to Rittenauer last week, 50-35. to um, So hopefully Tyrese and them can bounce back. They play Oakville. Um, no, actually, they lost to Rittenauer last night. That's right. They played last night. Then our last commit, one of our newer guys, Dana Mitchell down in Madison Central, down in Madison, Mississippi, 1-0 on the year. Um, they beat Ocean Springs in a barn burner last last week, 15-14, um, opening win at home. Denham, hopefully, I think he posted some of his highlights on his Twitter, scrolling here to see if his team did not post any stats. So that's 
unfortunate. But Madison Citrell, 1-0 on, at home against 0-1 Brandon tonight. So got some guys looking for their first win this week. Got some guys looking to stay undefeated, um, stay on the right track. So um, best of luck to those guys. We'll continue to keep you updated, continue to try to find stats, um, maybe even reach out to them, see if they have their own stats. We've had some recruits reach out to us for giving us stats in the past. Yeah, like Logan Minton last year was in our DMs, you know, mentioning because they, you know, the recruits listen and we're thankful for that. And they either correct us or let us know if we say we don't have anything. And yeah, we haven't built that up yet with some of these guys. We're hoping to at some point. Um, and you mentioned, you know, some of our offensive linemen, uh, you know, we've talked about how we'll look at some point at how their rushing attack, um, how their rushing attack is to know that's how good they did. I know I saw. Uh, Quentin was uh, for rights. They posted like their team awards for a week and he was like the best offensive lineman there. You said E.T. Harris, just because I saw on his thing. Yeah, they had a 28 point comeback. They were down uh, whatever, I think 21 to three or something ended up scoring however many 28 straight. And yeah, he's elite athlete. He's, I think, the one we're you know, most excited about just because the future of the quarterback position here. But there's some other good ones. I mean, Lucas McDaniel, yes, he has been posting. Uh, too much of, uh, you know, other, you know, offers or visits or invitations that he's going for at, at the FBS level. I think at some point we can expect him to flip. Hopefully now we know if once we finally get him on camp, like to a game and stuff that he can, you know, cement his standing here. Um, so we'll see him at some point, Noah, because that just segues into some guys that have uh, had, you know, of the, you know, they tweet about what home games they could go to. And some players have done that, obviously, no commits, just uh, recruits. And we'll see them with their lanyards on the field. Who have we seen so far that um, has posted that they'll be to one of the games? And obviously, they post about it after the fact, and we'll see them after. But which ones have so far? Yeah, we will see a local product tomorrow. Jay Snyder, a running back from up in Fairfield Community High School. Um, this is a guy where he posted some of his highlights. Looks like quick burst um, at that position. Some smaller schools have been in on him, but... Um, Obviously going to be able to make the short trip to SIU and uh, see some games. So hopefully he's here more than once and hopefully he continues a strong season and maybe he shows out enough to earn it because we always like to see local guys get their shot at SIU. Then we're looking at special teams out in Kansas. Um, two guys have said they're going to be at one of the home games this year. Um, the first one, Kenton Lofman, uh, kicker slash punter, four-star um, and the kicker. Number one kicker in the Kansas, 6'3", 170. So looks like special teams since Jack and Nico have gone have been a little shaky. So looks like we're trying to bring in guys just keep pushing the position and getting better. So that's the number one kicker in the state of Kansas. If we can land him, that would be pretty cool. Then a, a punter, um, Tyler Antle, um, out in Kansas as well. He's a all-state honorable mention punter. Um, he's 3.7 GPA. This is a kid where... He's a sprinter and thrower for track two, so um, very strong leg. Um, he's getting SEMO invites. He said good luck this week from SEMO. So this is a kid where Toledo's been sending him good lucks as well. So if we can get this kid on campus and sell him, um, that's where I think you can he can come in and battle Torney pretty easily. Yeah, we've kind of – it seems like a lot of those guys are on the clock if they keep recruiting the position – even with some of those guys having, you know, more eligibility even after this season that they're expected to perform because then they got guys in the wings if they can't get them to, you know, commit. We know Ethan Edens is now in the room. So it, it's definitely no coincidence that they're 
in on these guys. And we, you said uh, the local kids coming tomorrow, but you know, some of the, we said, don't show up to the homecoming game against South Dakota state. If you want to see a potential win or see us fight, maybe we can win who knows, but pick and choose with those games, even tomorrow's game and say, well, we, you could see some bad of like some rust and see some stuff, but you hope to play well. Maybe show up to the Missouri State, South Dakota, or Indiana State game. We'll talk about those three teams and what we saw uh, recently. But, yeah, it's good to see these guys in the game. We'll see them post on Twitter after the fact. They always post pictures. We'll be sure to retweet that um, after the fact. They'll probably do it tomorrow or, or, you know, in the evening, even further in the evening tomorrow. It's a wait and see. So good job on all that. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we'll see more and more stats from our from recruits and commits down the road. It's hard to do it this early in the season. Some guys post, some do not. Um, now into the guys that are much older, some guys who have in the NFL actually um, in the final preseason games this past week, uh, didn't get any stats for Jeremy, Ryan, Neal, and Michael, but they were lucky enough to be on the 53-man roster for their respective teams. We've said um, last or the last episode, we said there probably will be the three that will. And we haven't seen much of Ryan Neal in anything. We know he signed a good deal with the Buccaneers. He's probably going to be a starting safety for them. He had been injured, apparently. Someone posted that he was he was going to play in their last game, but I didn't see anything on the stat sheet. Um, and probably Mike Cole was dealing with something as well. But Craig James did show out in his last game. He had five total tackles, uh, three, uh, three solo, I believe. And we know he got cut from the or didn't make it, but then he ended up back on the Jets practice squad, thankfully, and everyone was on Twitter saying, okay, you let this guy go, it's a mistake. He had been showing out big time. Good for Craig. And then Madre, I didn't double-check to see if he's on the Steelers practice squad yet. He had one tackle in his last game. We'll try to iron more of that out, obviously, as time goes on. But like I said, Jeremy Ryan and Michael making the 53-man. So we'll be checking their stats week by week, everything for all of those guys and their respective teams, all in the NFC South. No coincidence. Um, no, no, around the valley before we you know, get to the juicy stuff of this podcast. It's not really around the valley, clearly. It's at a different level. But, no, we know Zach Zabrowski transferred to Central Missouri, and he put up numbers last night. 385 in the air, five touchdowns, and a barn burner of a game in the 40s that it was. And everyone, former teammates here at SAU, have been wishing him congrats and, you know, Good job on doing great. We knew he was going to go there, win the job, and be great. And kudos to him. He couldn't wait any longer here, and he had his good moments when he was here. Uh, so good for Jack. Like I said, not around the valley, but a former Saluki. So good for Zach doing that. Maybe we were holding him back a little bit. He was a great play caller, but <laughs> good for Zach at that level. Uh, did see recently, and I had it at some point, but how the ESPN and the Valley have reached – an agreement on, you know, an extension rather for games down the road. People have all these games. We know ours is on there tomorrow. Everyone's is always on there. There was a a multi-year rights extension that they had. So it's just notable mentioning it. It's through the 2029 season. So we get a lot of football on that platform for a while. Because obviously that's where, how we see our games. You can rewatch games on there. It's it's a pretty big deal. So a six-year extension for people to be able to watch the Valley on ESPN+. Like I said, it's where we watch SIU, so everybody needs to hopefully already have it, but that's the way to watch if you can't make it to games. Um, Noah, we know that there's a big rule change in college football this year. There's some other ones, but uh, around the whole country, and it was one that Nick was asked about either maybe on Monday, but in previous interviews about um, the running clock, that it's now stopping after 
or it's running after first downs, no more stoppage in college. And he said, you know, obviously that's about a six, seven play difference of how that can impact a game. And people were saying how it's not even really affecting a game in terms of how long it lasts or definitely the amount of plays, but not because it's almost seemed like they're doing it to make the games go by quicker. But football is that, it, you know, football is what it is. You're not going to get people's interest out of football just because it lasts too long. So if they're doing it a little bit with that, or they just want to make it closer to the NFL kind of style. Um, so that's a, you know, something that Nick Hill has been asked about. And we'll see how our offense adjusts to that this year um, with the amount of plays difference that it has from over the years. Um, Hero Sports has, they did their toughest FCS schedules. Um, and we were 11th on that. We've kind of narrowed that down. We've gone through our schedule multiple times. We know we play the five worst teams in the Valley this year, but we know we play the top two teams in the Valley, not only, and they're also the top two teams in the country. You play a team that's right in the top 25 in Youngstown State, and you play Austin P, who's right on the outside with us, and you play like a, a middling FBS team, but still it's, it's a lot better than what some other schools play to an extent. So I can see the 11th standing. Uh, know if that makes sense to you. There's some other teams on that, that like Missouri State with Fresh New. We know they play tonight. But fresh new, they have the fourth toughest. Um, so there's some teams on there, Noah, that obviously I think are standing in 11. Makes sense. Your thoughts on that? And then jump into um, your bracketology because we've been diving into a little bit of who we think will actually do great this year around the country, who could be the final four teams, and obviously even through our conference, what we think the final standings would be, all of that if you wouldn't care. Yeah, the, just looking at the toughest schedule stuff, I mean, it's obviously – the Missouri Valley weights a lot of their teams up to the top. I think top 25, I think almost all the teams are up there. But obviously Northern Iowa at two, that's a tough schedule for them. And you mentioned Missouri State. They played a night. Um, Missouri State seventh, welcome to the Missouri Valley. First, first, first official football season for them in the Valley. So they get the seventh tough schedule. Um, then, yeah, just doing some extra stuff to add to the preview. I decided to do some bracketology this year, just um, messing around with it. And just looking at different things where, just going through real quick, uh, I'll just do my auto bids. For the Big Sky, I have Montana State. Um, for the Big South OVC um, combined conference this year, I got Gardner-Webb. Um, a lot of people are picking SEMO to win that, but they avoid each other. So, And SEMO has some tough road games. Um, for the Colonial, the CAA, I have William & Mary. A lot of people really high on them this year. Um, for the NEC, I have St. Francis. For the Patriot League is Holy Cross. Um, for the Southern or for the Southern Conference, I have Mercer as kind of a dark horse in that conference. Um, for the Southland Incarnate Word, and for the Pioneer League, um, I would take St. Thomas, but they are playoff ineligible, so I went with Davidson. Um, but I think St. Thomas still wins that conference, but Davidson gets the automatic bid. Uh, just then, other at-large bids. Just for like Missouri Valley wise, I put North Dakota State and I put you and I. Um, I have SEMO getting the last spot. I I left us out um, as of right now for preseason wise. I think we're right on that bubble, one of that first first three teams out. But I left us out as of right now, only having the Valley get three teams in. So um, there's a lot to prove. I know North Dakota, Youngstown, us are right there on that edge, but. Um, as of right now, I went with the three for sure teams. Uh, the top eight seeds, um, I just numbered the top eight seeds. I'd have South Dakota State, Montana State, William & Mary, North Dakota State, um, Holy Cross, Incarnate Word, Idaho, and Mercer. Um, I think those are pretty sure my top eight teams. 
and it just it would it iron out where I have North Dakota State getting that four seed, so they would have to meet South Dakota State um, in the final four, so there would be no championship between them. Yeah, and we know they're definitely the favorites to be there. Again, I've listened to a lot of stuff. Everyone's picking those two teams. Again, with the Montanas, I mean, it's all about you know wanting maybe some fresh blood and all those, and it's just knowing that those teams are going to be there because you mentioned some of the teams. I mean, we hope that we can sneak up on a UNI this year because they do have the second toughest, but the states have the respective North Dakota State 15, South Dakota State 18, that Youngstown 21. So those teams we want to pass and, and we play – even Austin Peay's got 34, but those other conference teams are going to breeze through. South Dakota State and North Dakota State don't even play FBS schools this year. So they're going to go undefeated all year until they you know, play each other and then they play us with whatever happens in those games. But just they're, they're expected to have no or one loss all season long, and it's hoping teams like you know, a Holy Cross who has a lot of guys projected to be you know, award winners this year potentially, or you got Wayne and Mary, yeah, everybody's high on them for sure. It's like you want to see teams like that. Incarnate Word just keeps bringing in quarterbacks, you know, and they lost, you know, the player of the year last year, and they're still here at ranked seventh. It's like all these teams you want to see go on runs. Even if it is the States, you hope that other teams like those can be in the Final Four. Make it fun, you know, barring a special run by anybody else potentially. So, you know, it's fun to listen to everything, talk about all these teams, and we learn about them more and more. And you're right, picking them for conferences. I believe and trust you for all those about, you know, just – who could win and who we could see just compete all season long. So we will do that, you know, week by week at some point. Just and we'll obviously go through their scores and games, how they do, and you know, leading up to leading up to the start of the next year, whenever uh, brackets come out, and we'll just see more and more of these teams, just to know more about them. So that is a fun thing we'll continue to do uh, for sure. So yeah, final four picks. You can expect kind of similar teams. Hopefully, somebody surprises at some point, and definitely us in our own conference with teams like you and I playing tough games and all that. So we'll see how all that plays out. Noah, we mentioned other week one games. Talk about, you know, there might be some big ones that have happened around like top ranked teams of the ones we just kind of said, but obviously the ones in the Valley, we mentioned some that we play this year have played recently at one place tonight. Dive into those about who has played so far and then who all else plays tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, just going back to week zero, there was a couple FCS teams um, involved. Uh, Jackson State kicked off. They won 37-7, so um, no Deion Sanders, no problem for them. Um, Albany beat Fordham, then Mercer beat North Alabama in some other games um, last night. Uh, Southern Utah gave Arizona State a scare, 24-21 win for Arizona State. Um, then South Dakota went on the road at Missouri, 35-10 win for the Tigers. So South Dakota um, – they helped us. They covered for us. We took them plus 27 last night, so they helped us out a lot. Uh, Weber State beat Central Washington. South Dakota State pulled their starters at halftime. They were up 42-0 at halftime against Western Oregon. Uh, Lindenwood beat out, beat out a, a non-Division one school. 77 points. 77-9. to nine. Um, Some other teams. Um, I bet on Arkansas Pine Bluff last night. They barely covered. They lost to Tulsa 42-7. UC Davis 48-10 went over Texas A&M Commerce. Idaho 42-17 went over Lamar and some other uh, Valley schools. Uh, Youngstown State won 52-10 against Valpo. Um, it was close at the beginning, but they got it done. Then um, I read the other one. Oh, then the ugly, ugly one, I watched – you watched the first half. I watched part of the second half. 27-0 loss for Indiana State at home against Eastern Illinois. 
we know Eastern Illinois lost three player, three of their best players to us, and I think they lost some others in the portal, but um, that's a bad showing for Indiana State. Yeah, and at home, and you know that we know some players on that team, and it, it is sad because you're right. We didn't think Eastern would be worth anything, but Indiana State played awful. They threw four picks. They threw two pick sixes. Did watch a little bit of it just to see, uh, and they will not be good. That that can be confirmed. They, they'll get lucky in some game, but hopefully that's not us. Hopefully we smack them at their place. No, who else played? There's another notable team we've been talking about uh, that wiped a team that's not in the football Missouri Valley, but in basketball. Yeah, Youngstown, 52-10, to 10, blowout. It was close at first, but they blew them out. Um, Youngstown was favored by 36 going into this game. Um, then tonight, uh, Missouri State goes on the road at Kansas. We'll be doing that. Or actually, BYU took that spot, so we will not be doing that. Kansas favored by 32. Um, I think I take Missouri State to cover that if I can bet on that tonight. Um, then just looking ahead tomorrow, there's a lot of games. Dayton. Dayton is on the road at Illinois State, so I expect Illinois State to win that one. We played Dayton a couple years ago. Eastern Washington at North Dakota State, or that may be, I think that's one of those um, alternate side games, so we'll see what happens there up in Minneapolis. Drake's on the road at North Dakota, so another non-Valley football school on the road at a Valley football school. Um, then some FCS, FBS games. You and I on the road at Ames, Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa State favored by 17. Um, I'm taking you and I to cover that. Iowa State's pretty awful. I think you and I with Theo Day at quarterback could upset Iowa State. Um, then Western Illinois, their last um, season in the Missouri Valley. We noticed we went down to an event at the Show Me Center last week, and they already have Western Illinois up on their banners when they have all the all the conference teams and the OVC listed out. So. They taste on a, uh, a familiar foe in New Mexico State and Jerry Kill, so we watched them. We actually bet on them last week. Jerry cost us money, but Western plays them, so um, that'll be an ugly game. Yeah, and we know Mike Reese was at that game, and Omari Mocha's the AD there. That was when we were hoping could uh, be in our favor, but you're right, and yeah, uh, you're right. Western on their way out, it's going to be a tough year for them. We mentioned the strength of schedule, same thing with Murray. Um, and yeah, I definitely expect, uh, you know, Drake's not going to whatever for North Dakota and stuff. I honestly forgot I was going to say, but you're right. The, they play at the Viking stadium, uh, North Dakota state, Eastern Washington, Eastern Washington had a down year last year. We'll see what, what they got against them. Uh, yeah, a lot of games going I, I agree. Northern Iowa should cover that game and maybe potentially win with Iowa state being that bad. They've been facing off for years. We know they almost beat them a couple years ago whenever, Old Brock Purdy was quarterback and Brees Hall was there and stuff. So I think they could pull it off this time. We'll see. And some other games, yeah, we will be sure to recap those, you know, on the next one, see how they did, see how everyone's stacking up after the first week. Now, no, let's dive into everything with us. And it's the juicier parts of this, even before we dive into Austin P. just a lot of stuff uh, within the program. Now that's happened. We, we talked about, you know, there's been a lot of positional interviews like i said they ended with tight end yesterday they did quarterbacks the other day um and i think there was just notable thing they posted a lot you know it's a lot of the cliche things about how they're ready for the season but nick hill did say recently and we talked about the weather it's because we were talking amongst ourselves how great the weather is you should have your best practices when it feels that good outside it's not hot like it was two weeks ago or so and he said they did have their best practice recently um so that's obviously a good sign going into everything but noah his presser that happened on monday 
It's the usual guys that ask questions. Some are good, some are bad, mostly bad for a lot of the guys. Like Jake Siegel of WSIL and, uh, you know, Bucky Dan, you know, they try their best, but can be a little annoying on there or they get stuff wrong. We would love to be on stuff like that. But Noah, they did ask some questions and we thank uh, Barry from uh, Prairie Pigskin, blanking on everything specifically there, but he did a good job, Noah, and he asked about the transfer rules with uh, Noah Finsky in particular because he's just the one that made it, you know, you know, into the open on Twitter. And we know we, this is one of the biggest things we'll have when we get into the depth chart about who could potentially need one. He's the biggest one, Noah. He said that there's no update, and that was on Monday. Here we are a day before. We still don't know anything. You've been posting about stuff with Trez Walker as well about what his situation is. You can dive into it all because, Noah, we're a day before. Heck, it could be something where obviously we just know the day of. And this is honestly getting out of hand, and hopefully there's a glimpse of miracle that we see a lot of these guys be able to play tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's getting pretty frustrating for a lot of kids across the country and uh, maybe more in particular a couple of our players. But um, really unfortunate that we haven't – obviously Noah hasn't tweeted anything. And uh, i just been really close with the Tez Walker situation. Um, it was updated around noon today. Still nothing, nothing's been heard from the NCAA and their um, – their, obviously their waivers and stuff like that. So I – at this point, you're going into this week without any guy that needs a waiver, just pl- hoping maybe if he does, obviously you're prepared with a plan to play with him. Obviously, you have a plan B without him. And right now, a lot of people are probably putting their plan Bs into action because these guys, I know a lot of Colorado guys are struggling to get waivers, and I don't understand it. I mean, their coach um, got fired, and they brought in a guy that obviously – Ran them out of town because he brought his own luggage, he called it, or Louie, whatever he wants to say. But um, I really hope it's not the school of Colorado and Deion Sanders fighting these kids because they left because they didn't want to be around him. Um, can't really blame them, but it just it sucks. I mean, still waiting to hear. Obviously, I've been hearing with the Tez Walker situation. It could be tomorrow morning, and they play at 6 p.m. tomorrow just like we do. So who knows at this point. Um, but we're going into the season. We'll dive in who will be the starting um, left tackle um, here in a little while. And we've said that it's it's good that these guys have been still taking reps like they're going to play. We've said, I mean, I, I think I said just the other day that if we had all of our guys, and it could be the case with everybody around the country, if we had all of our guys, I think we'd be clearly, I mean, it's certain guys that, and we don't exactly know who just based off the two deep of who we'll see who really needs one. We know of a couple. Um, but it can be the difference in games that could be win or losses of important guys. A left tackle, like no, even though we trust guys like the guys that we'll say here in a second, or even in the corner, we mentioned James Caesar. I have nothing knowing on him. We'll dive into if he's on there or not. Um, you know, so it's guys like that that can make the difference in a game that can propel you to a win or make you lose. It's just those important things, and you're right. Hopefully we know in the morning they're going to do it for everybody, so hopefully we get lucky with that. Uh, that is a wait and see. He was also he was asked about injuries and he said nobody, which is a great sign. He did say Cam White though, and we said on the last one did see him on crutches and he did say he will need surgery and be out this year. Uh, pretty much, he was going to redshirt anyway, but he will do that medically this year. So it'll be interesting to see how much he has in his future, not ever playing a game due to injury and all that stuff that factors into his career. That'll be interesting. So he's out. No one else has heard, according to Nick Hill. He was asked about Vincent Davis. And he just said how Vincent, you know, he's an old school guy. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's going to come in here and do his job. And 
he's one of the mo- he's one of the guys we can count on most of like confidence going in because he does seem like he has that. We've heard him speak, and he seems like he definitely has all that to him. So touched on him, and he was, Nick Hill was just pretty much praising how good he is. So we'll see that unfold tomorrow. And he was asked a little bit about Austin P, uh, which we'll dive into all of that here shortly. Now, Noah, the two deep depth chart, something we've been wanting for a while. Um, and it did come out on Monday, as expected. You called me and told me it came out. And pretty much we're right. It's just a little bit based on this is what the scheme they're going to do this year. And it's some things we've seen in the past of who has started at a certain spot on the field. And, no, I think we can count on. I mean, the first teamers are pretty spot on for the most part, besides the two guys we've said earlier, Noah and James, who are not on here. Noah, what else sticks out to you? You can read through and describe, obviously, what everything is, who's backing them up. And definitely that important offensive line of who gets the call, and then we'll just kind of dive through all this. Yeah, just breaking it down, obviously, um, Nick Baker is going to be your starting quarterback. And um, on R2D official, I used one of those college football coaches, or, and I said Hunter Simmons or Michael Lindauer, but um, local Marion product slash Mount Vernon product, Hunter Simmons has won that backup job, it looks like, and he'll be your backup quarterback if, God forbid, something happens to Nick Baker this season. Um, and just looking around, running back, Roe Elliott is your starter, and Justin Strong is behind him. We know we have a lot of guys in that room that's going to be seeing the field this season in different ways. Um, but giving the nod to those two seniors is a pretty cool thing. I know I predicted Roe to be that leading rusher. So then we knew that tight end, Aiden Quinn, was going to lead the way with Ryan Schwindeman right behind him. In a receiver, obviously Deontay Cox will be that guy. Zach Gibson's listed behind him. Isaiah Hartrip, um, Jay Jones behind him. Then Vincent Davis, backed up by Dayton Mitchell. Um, we found this one pretty interesting. Obviously, we know Dayton was listed as a starter last year um, from the go of it. But obviously, with scheme and different play calls, it's he's not going to be on the field, but he's just listed there. But he's been putting the work as a, only as a sophomore now, still a young guy. Um, that's a could be hopefully once he gets a senior, he'll be a Bryce Miller type guy. Yeah, and you're right. He has been an option uh, for, you know, like, like you said, like last year when he was a starter, whenever Avante was injured, but just a lot of how the group was around him, obviously not having Isaiah. So he has earned it up to this point. He's been really good, and we'll mention his name, yeah, on special teams here in a second. But we mentioned because Jalen Reed is listed as a wide receiver now on the website, not a running back. Uh, so we were hoping we could see him in that spot around these slot options behind Vincent. He's a name that we've said because he's also not listed on special teams that he's a guy we could see there. You know, he was someone who was, he's probably honestly the latest addition to the roster. Uh, so you just never know how but we saw him in person. So we were expecting him to be a pretty good option for us, but we didn't know if he was one that needs a waiver, even though he's younger than a Noah or a James and how that really affects that He's only transferred from one school, right? So. Uh, and in conference, whether that even matters. We know in basketball it's happened. I don't think there's anything with that specifically, but he could be someone we'll have to hope to see because he is a game changer on that. But shout out to Dayton for earning that once again uh, this year. And you're right, Zach and Jay, it's the usual guys that we kind of expected. It is good to see Isaiah on there. They expect him to obviously suit up, which, like I said, I wouldn't have been surprised if we didn't see him on here, but it is good to see um, that he'll hopefully be healthy going into tomorrow. I know this offensive line Clearly no, no offense, Guy, but a lot of, you know, reliable names we've seen on here. And we were pretty much right on this. Um, I believe I remember you mentioned who are, you know, a right tackle. That is the one who is starting. 
and obviously Reliable, one of them at left tackle who can play anywhere. Know a lot of veterans on this line, and who's backing those guys up? Yeah, a lot of guys that we have seen a lot of snaps before. Some guys have have earned starting jobs, and Derek Harden, who's got that left guard spot right now, who's just if he can stay healthy, I think this guy can be an anchor at the left guard. But Aiden Logan, a Butler Community College transfer. Um, backing him up right now. So if Derek goes down, Aiden's a sturdy guy. We can just slide right in there. Um, left left tackle, Jake Green, obviously with Noah, still waiting on that waiver. Colin Smith backing him up, the Eastern Michigan transfer from last season. Two guys out there where obviously Colin's a younger guy, but he has a lot to learn. So behind behind guys like Noah and Jake, he can learn a lot. Um, then obviously Jacob Koffel, um, he's got a revenge game tomorrow night against his old team, Austin P. He's starting at center. John Nally backing him up. Still another young guy. So a lot of young guys backing these guys up. Then Chase Evans, obviously, he's going to be one of the captains of this team, one of these leaders. Starting at right guard, Sam Newman, a Juco guy who's been battling injuries since he got here. So it feels like finally on the two deep. Backing up Chase. And obviously, Abdu Torre getting that start there at right tackle. Um, if Noah Finsky is out with no waiver. Then Jackson Staley is another local product from West Frankfurt. Been battling his way. Big quality depth piece we've had um, since he's got here. Yeah, it's good to see Aiden Logan obviously be a backup, a new guy. He's a guy that comes from JUCO. You wouldn't expect any waivers wrong with guys like that. But um, you're right. And, you know, Sam Newman finally being healthy. We mentioned Marcelo Mendiola that he's been good. We've seen him maybe, you know, and we'll know if he just didn't earn a backup spot or obviously a starting spot. If we see him on field goals tomorrow on, on protection, you know, for the linemen that play on that, if we see him on that, we'll just know he didn't earn a starting spot. Um, but he's also a guy that can need a waiver. We know he's Cincinnati and Bowling Green and stuff. So he's one that could use one. So of course the two guys we've wanted to add this year, the Nick Hill is one of the add more, you know, elite guys from those levels that, you know, could be, you know, good for us and elite for us that, of course, probably won't be able to play or be a last-second thing. But it's good to see all those guys. It's everyone that we've talked about and expected. You know, there are times last year when Abdu was in our, obviously, a starter that we were really good and stuff. So, and it's good to see Derek Harden finally healthy. Um, he hasn't barely played in his career. It just seems like it just because he's always on crutches. We've seen him before games. And he's good. And he's earned that spot. So that's good. And they've all said before they can trust about 9 or 10, 11 guys. So we'll see how that unfolds, obviously, with the two who are able to play. There's some younger guys that they could count on. Um, you mentioned everything else yet. Not surprised on Aiden. We'll see a lot of Colton Hogue, of course. They had the tight end report yesterday. We'll see a lot of those guys in the red zone. And then, yeah, shout out to Romir for earning running back one again. We've been doing our player you know, number rankings based off how many days till game day. I'll have one for him. And Iverson Brown later of just Romir having the career that he has. And if he does a good one again, he could be up on the record books. Shout out to him and Justin, the veterans, getting those nods. We'll know we'll see the other guys as well. Noah segueing to defense. And a lot of these guys are guys clearly we know about. Some are, you know, we expected high on some guys that didn't make this. Some that are younger. But Noah, we look really good at defensive end of who's starting and who's backing them up. And then dive, you can dive into all four of those positions on the line. But, Noah, behind those guys at the second level, we noticed two, and it's two we're going to be relying on. And he's, they got two really good backups, of course. And obviously that fills into if you only have some of those, there's another really, really important piece that's going to be flying everywhere that could fill that other kind of linebacker spot. 
Yeah, it's it's a lot of guys where you look around and you see a lot of veterans that played a lot of football, and we can really count on. Obviously, um, you mentioned the defensive ends, um, Devin Cowan, a transfer in from the D two level, coming in and going to be a really solid piece, and hopefully be a potential sack leader for us. And on the other side of him, Tim Varga, the Eastern Illinois transfer, um, can play inside out. Just be those two sturdy guys on the edge, and Dewey Green and Lewis Wilbert behind those two guys. That's just a solid four rotation on the edge to be at, get after the quarterback on all four downs every single drive and just keeping those guys fresh. And on the interior, you get two solid veterans, two leaders of this team, and Cam Bowdry, the UT Martin transfer from a couple of years ago, and Dante Cleveland. Um, he was also a transfer from a couple of years ago, been here for forever, and they're going to be leaders and captains potentially on this football team. And backed up, um, they have Peyton Reeves, who – a sophomore, only a sophomore, him and his brother here coming in battle on that D-line. He's backing up Cam. Then Devin Love, a guy that's been here a while too and finally getting his crack at it, been a solid depth piece at when we need him, when guys get banged up. So that D-line is looking pretty good. And, yeah, you mentioned the second level. Only two linebackers listed on here or two linebacker spots listed. Um, you have Colin Bohannick and Zach Barola backing him up. Then you have Branson Combs with Dune Smith behind him. Um I think we're going to see varieties of different styles of schemes of defense. Obviously, if you look at it this way, you're looking at a 4-2-5 defense. Um, but when, when I was breaking it down, obviously, we're probably going to see P.J. Jules more of a – it's going to be on the two deep. It looks like a 4-2-5, but with P.J. Jules down by the line of scrimmage and stuff and other guys, bigger guys like maybe Iverson Brown coming down the line of scrimmage and stuff, really it's probably going to act like maybe a 4-3, but – on a two deep, it looks like we're playing 4 5 which we haven't seen in a while. It's very kind of rare, but it's where we're going to see a lot of flying around and what we've seen in practice and stuff in fall camp where these guys are talking about they're just able to play freely and they get to fly around and knock some heads. So obviously those front guys are looking pretty good in the DB room. Three safety spots. Obviously I mentioned P.J. Jules. Have Jeffrey Wills backing him up. Listed at 6'10", I think that's an extra zero right there. He is not 6'10", but he's a, he's a guy that's been here a while, already a senior, crazy. He's playing a lot of special teams, but finally on the two deep. Then Obed Seed, the Towson transfer, Desmond Hearns, the redshirt freshman, converted receiver, backing him up, then Iverson Brown. Backed up by the rare freshman, the true freshman we get to see on this two deep is Vinny Pierre. He's earned it. We've seen him flying around during the scrimmage last couple weeks. So that's surprising to see, but he's earned it, obviously. And at the corner position, like you said earlier, no James Caesar. Um, don't know if he's eligible yet or not. And at corner, DJ Johnson, obviously, the Purdue-Iowa transfer. Been here a couple years now. Finding his role. He's got to be that leader on the outside. Dre Newman, the special team's ace, backing him up. Good to see Dre. Um, if something happens to DJ, be able to step in there and get some snaps. Then on the other side, Mark Davis Jr., um, the Buffalo transfer from a couple years ago as well. Um, coming in there, earning that second spot. If James Caesar isn't eligible, then Drake Johnson, the Texas State uh, DB, backing him up. So a lot of guys, a lot of veteran guys, a lot of transfers on this defense. I've seen a lot of football, but um, some young guys potentially if something happens they get a chance to play so it's exciting to see you know a lot of these guys are still special teamers besides just drake really we'll see drake johnson we'll see desmond we'll see we'll see guys and you know vinnie pierre definitely was not one of the top 
uh, true freshman we said could play, we probably would have had him on sixth or seventh of listing of certain guys. And we know that that is something to where, you know, with the addition of three safety spots, you see it in general, he would be behind Jeffrey and Desmond, you know, no matter what. But since they added a piece that, you know, he could be an option. We mentioned how Dallas Brown, who was another true freshman, they got hurt in the scrimmage that we saw. You mentioned, oh, it could have been his spot too. You never know because we saw him out there a lot. But we have seen Benny do good. So he's the only true freshman that will address and will be an option if he's called upon. I do like the scheme. You're right. It's something we – it is kind of a rare occurrence. But I think it's something that if we play elite tight ends this year that we could see so many options on him. And P.J. is going to fill that spot where he's going to look like he's at the line. He will get the sacks, but he'll also drop back. And he'll cover your best tight end as well because – you. Iverson is bound to have a good year for us. We've heard nothing but great things. There's so many articles about him coming off his injury and the new bed, just because we talked about on the tweet when we were a week away that he was so productive from Towson and, you know, he's going to carry that here and we can trust both those guys to the ultimate. I'm excited to see both of those kinds of guys play and you're right on the corner spot, you know, and it's not one of those things because we've heard, and I don't think if you legit heard of like, oh, he needs a waiver. It just made sense if he did that maybe Mark, you know, because I remember seeing the scrimmage that Mark did play over him before James came into the game. But like I said, we saw Mark on special team. So it was like, okay, well, James is going to win it. And we heard, yeah, he's going to fight for the second spot. So he probably does need the waiver because clearly he'd be a backup feeling for Dre if he was whatever. So um, it's good to see Mark earn that. And we talked about Drake Johnson. Not sure, a, you know, a bunch on him, but we can rely on some of these, you know, corner, but it's in the same spot we were before we found out about James. We were kind of unsure going into this. So PJ will be there to help out the cause. Former All-American corner. If he's an All-American at both spots, that's how you know he's had a great career. But I'm excited for some of the guys back there. And you mentioned, and I just think our pass rush, Devin and Tim, Two veterans, two strong guys. We've talked about they've been doing great and the scrimmage or in the like the you know the workouts and everything, getting to the quarterback, just wreaking havoc. We can expect great things and just some of the backups for everything. Dune and Zach, great backups for Colin and Branson, who are, are not gonna miss tackles and just be fantastic. We'll be able to count on this defense, definitely of the front guys, and we'll see how everything plays out in the secondary. Um, and I think even if you know this thing's ever changing that. If we see, you know, if Noah's able to play and James is able to play, you know, this can change. They could change it instantly and they can be a new part of the game notes. But they, these are the guys we'll see start. And if those guys are eligible, we'll just see them come in at some point. But these guys will be the starters on the field. So we've been pretty much about 90% or more right on a lot of these things. Noah Special is now right on a lot of these as well. You can dive into who's behind and We mentioned uh, a name who's a backup receiver that is going to get a lot of the bulk of punts potentially dive into what this looks like. Cause kick returners, we saw that the other night and that's exactly what it is too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Obviously we knew the kicker battle was pretty heated and it's going to be a good one, but um, obviously looks like place kicking wise, Jake Bumgard, the local kid from Heron, um, has edged out Thomas Burks for now. And Jake's going to get the opportunity uh, and, get to kick tomorrow night um, but kickoff specialist Thomas Burks has been doing it for a while um, he's going to be need to be really good tomorrow night um, against a pretty dangerous returner so um, the punter Nathan Twarney obviously true or true freshman last year coming in here it's got to be a lot better 
and Chase Reed's going to the the Granite City product. Wonder if he'll be over here in Marion tonight to watch his former high school play Marion. Um, but Nathan Twenty's got to be better. Long snapper, obviously Ross Pedro has earned it. We we've, we've seen a lot of high talks on him um, when they talked about the specialist in the video. Um, then you look at backing him up is Ragnar JD Sheck. I'm going to back him up. So then a holder, obviously still Nick Baker. Um, last couple of years, there's been no backup behind holder for Nick Baker. This year, it's Nathan Twenty, So maybe he's learning a little bit from Nick um, to learn how to hold. And hopefully, because after, after Nick's gone after this season, Nathan, somebody's going to have to do it. So hopefully Nathan can step up next year and do it. But for kick returner, um, we've got our own dangerous guy. Vincent Davis is going to be electric on that kickoff return. Can't wait to see him. Hopefully he gets an opportunity tomorrow night to see if he can break one. But Justin Strong's going to be back there with him. And on punt return, you, we, you mentioned it, sneak peeked a little bit. Dayton Mitchell has apparently won um, the job for punt returner. Probably just going to be one of those Javon Williams type guys. Sure hand, just, hey, go ahead and fair catch it. We'll take it from wherever. But Vincent Davis backing him up. Him or Jalen Reed um, would be two guys down there to – if they get the chance, they could break one. I think I'd like to see that more. Um, obviously, it's more dangerous, potential turnover. But I want to see our special teams and return game get back to where it was. Um, like one of our coaches we had on the on on our staff now, B. So if we can get to that, just some return game. Obviously, we've seen Javon do a lot of stuff back there, but catching over the head and all that stuff. But hopefully the return game with Vincent and maybe Dayton and Justin – can return to something special. Yeah, you're right. Some coach did say, you know, whether it was Gary because he wasn't here, but he obviously learned a lot about what happened. It might have been Nick that said, yeah, we want to be better and do more on returns potentially. That even we'll get into, obviously, the team we play tomorrow has got good specialists. So it's like, well, maybe they'll always kick it out of the out of the back of the end zone. We know the whole rule with you can fair catch it within the 10 to the end zone. And Hopefully we see a lot of Vincent do it because we've said, you know, I remember one of my bold predictions was he'll be an honorable mention All-Valley player, but I wasn't sure. I could, it'd be bold to say as a receiver compared to – because I definitely think he could do it as a special teamer, but hopefully he gets enough ops, and he will get ops this year, just how many all based off how powerful a kicker there is on kickoffs. And then um, you're right, this is – because Jalen Reed needs to be used on offense – or on this because you need those kind of guys that can make the first guy miss and then just find a hole or find the sideline and just go. And Dayton's pretty fast, but if you had that with Vincent and uh, Jalen Reed, it'd be even more great. We'd, we'd always have great starting field position, which is obviously pivotal, and that was a big reason. If Javon gave us that last year, we could have just been better set up for drives, clearly, instead of just staying in the same spot, and, and et cetera. So. Yeah, everyone we kind of expected there besides Dayton Mitchell, and we don't see guys like Jalen Reed, but shout out to Jake and Thomas. And you're right, Torney, because the punter needs to be the holder. That's how it is at every single level, it seems like. So maybe you can learn something and take it over for him halfway through the year. So there's the two deep. Like I said, it's ever-changing. It will change every week, we think. It did last year, so we'll be looking for that. Definitely right away on Monday, we'll see how different it is throughout all of next week. So... There is that. Now, Noel, let's talk about the governors. And we mentioned how Nick was asked about a little bit on his presser. Some things, you know, they have a lot of returnees. You can dive into the personnel. But this is the first time we played them since 1992, a couple years, decently well before we were even born. So it's been a long time. But they played each other 
um, you know, a decent amount of times. But since the last time before, that's kind of crazy. We know everything leading up to everything that's happening tomorrow. Not only is it Jeremy's bobblehead night, first 1,000 fans, they've said that they're going to have a signed poster for him that four, you can you know, bid for and four people are going to get that at some point. Gates open at five. Um, it's under section 12. It's faith and family night. And some and it's hogs and dogs. We know we've seen that over the years. We know the freshmen are going to do that run before as well. A lot of stuff themed for tomorrow. Not only that, it's a dollar hot dogs and $2 beer, which is great. You know, it's good. That'll bring a lot, definitely a lot more people out. It says while supplies last. So, um, and just everything leading up to this, a lot, like I said, a lot of theme stuff, a lot of people to get, or a lot of things to get people to this game. Know the governors themselves. They, they, you know, we know they're in a newer, you know, named conference, Atlantic Sun Conference champions. They were last year, but they, they were talking about how they were upset. They still didn't get into the. I mean, if that seemed like an automatic bid, I wanted to say they, they were talking on a video how, or maybe it was Luke and them that said they didn't even get into the to the playoff last year or something. But no, like I said, that that combined or that new United Athletic Conference that they're in, you can say obviously where they're picked. And obviously their personnel, who their head coaches, some names that we'll see tomorrow. I'll let you dive into a lot of this. We'll try to find some other extra stats themselves. But who do they have to offer for us tomorrow to worry about? Yeah, Coach Scotty Walden. They've had three straight winning seasons. They were received votes in the preseason or in the top twenty-five, just like we did. They were seven and four last year. Three and two in conference, and and that conference was a lowly conference. But Jacksonville State who was now in the FBS, was transitioning. They were in 5-0 in that conference, so they did not get the automatic bid, thought they'd get in, so they have a chip on their shoulder. This is a team where they're 14-17 and 17 on the road in the past five seasons. They were picked third in their United Athletic, or the United Athletic Conference um, behind um, Central Arkansas and um, Eastern Kentucky, two really good teams. This is an offense where... They're going to have to, I think, rely on their offense this year. They returned nine starters, but they lost four of their top five re- re- receivers. They only reserved their, they only returned their number three receiver in Trey Goodman, who only had 359 yards last year. Um, so their great quarterback used to be a Middle Tennessee State transfer, Mike Delello. Um, really good and threw for 424 yards per game last year. They put up 32 points per game. They returned all five offensive linemen, um, two running backs. Their two leading rushers are back. C.J. Evans had 641 yards last year, six touchdowns. And Javon Jackson, their other leading rusher than DeLello, was their third leading rusher last year. Like I said, he's he's lost four of his top five receivers from last year. They bring back Trey Goodman. Um, they add – Katib Lyles from North Texas and Brennan Hawkins from Kansas State. Then they have tight end Jordan Goko, who's a preseason all-conference player. So this is a team where they're going to rely on this offense, but it's going to be interesting to see veteran offensive line. So our defense and our D-line is going to have to be on their toes. Um, But other than that, defensively, they only have three starters back. They have Javion McCray, a defensive lineman, then Javon Young, who is a monster of a defensive end, um, they lose their two top tacklers from last year on the linebacker level. And defense, defensive line-wise, they add Darius Richmond and Incarnate Word transfer. Um, we saw him last year a little bit. Then linebacker, they bring back Tyler Long and Daryl Rogan. And they lose um, – also, they lost top four of their 
six DBs last year. Um, they bring back Corey Chapman, who he's also preseason all-conference, and Sedarius Doss. They went to the portal heavy for defensive backs. They got Benji Johnson from New Mexico. They got Michael Rutland from Princeton. They got um, from Lenore Ryan. They got Javon McKiver, Jr. They got Christian Lewis from Albany. Um, they got a Miles My- Richardson from Wofford. They got um, – Xavier Smith from Colorado, not sure he'll be eligible either because it seems like every other Colorado guy is not eligible. So they went DB heavy and deep and defensive heavy in the portal. Um, I think once the season goes long, you won't see it right away. They can jail and be pretty decent. But they're going to – early on in the season, they'll have to rely on DeLello. Then you mentioned special teams earlier. Their punter graduated, um, but they, re- they returned their Max Tru- Trujillo, a really good kicker. Um, then they bring back out their kickoff specialist, Riley Stevens, who's going to be the punter this year. So um, he's a former UCF kicker. So he transferred in, now won the punting job and the kickoff specialist. So then I, I mentioned earlier, our kickoffs are going to have to be very good in our kickoff uh, coverage. Cam Thomas is a special teams ace, um, 5'8 receiver who can see a lot of playing time and jet sweeps and stuff. Had one kickoff return for touchdown, one punt return for touchdowns last year. So he's going to have to be dangerous. So and it's got to be Thomas Burks. Put it in the back of the end zone. We can't take any chances. And if Torney, if you can put it towards the sideline or kick it over his head, we want no chances with this kid because Cam Thomas is electric and he could be a lot of problems. Yeah, and – just in general, if a team is really good with special teams coming in, that means you can count on that. So all you got to do is play other both sides at a good enough level and you can win games. And you mentioned Trujillo that he's on the place kicker award watch list, but he went 11 of 20 last year. He's, he's almost perfect from PATs. But I think that's one of the biggest things for sure. Cause yeah, we want to have our special teams involved. We want to have good coverage, but yeah, avoid him at all costs. We've been burned by returners before. Um, and this one will be no different being an elite one like that. You mentioned all the new guys that got coming in that they've accumulated, you know, close to 500 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, almost nine sacks, nine picks. And they forced three fumbles at three fumbles in 150 career games for all those guys coming from those places. So yeah, they, in general, it says they have 43 returning letter winners, 17 players that redshirted uh, with 45, obviously at yeah, newcomers to this roster. You mentioned, cause I've seen a lot of, how they are an up-tempo offensive team that says if you're, you know, that it's something that will just slap you right in the face right away if you're not ready for it because that's how quick they play. And obviously with the with the running clock, I only picture how they can play a lot this year. But you mentioned two-headed monster running back and some others. So it would be interesting. So they're going to just run the ball a lot, you think. He'll, he's going to throw, but you mentioned he you know doesn't have a lot of returning, returnees, a lot of new guys at the corner position or at the receiver position. So – we can count on them to run a lot of the games, so it's interesting to see how this game could play out. And even what a score could be that we'll get to in a second. But, um, yeah, a lot of – some returning faces, but a lot of new faces and their style of play. People said if, you know, their, their offense has to catch up to their defense at times, that the defense is decent, but obviously they have a style of play on offense that's hard to cover. So we know we've been, um, you know, having an eye on that. I'm sure the team has. So, yeah, DeLello's going to – He's definitely he does both things pretty well. So we'll see how their offense plays into the season. I mentioned it's I mean, we're five and two against them all time, and you know dating back a, a series that goes back to 1938. 
And, you know, clearly we have a lot of returnees as well to our team. And I mean, Noah, this is, I think, a pretty solid first game, clearly, like an evenly matched. Everyone has said that. And I've seen some people that have made predictions for this game that they're all picking us. And it's mainly because they give a reason that we're home, but they give the whole, you know, they got so-and-so coming back. So like those little other reasons, but mainly because we're at home and, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good game. You know, we don't know a spread yet, clearly. Um, that's something we'll know at some point tomorrow. But, no, I mean, unless you have anything else to add, I'll, I'll, you know, about their team and anything else to expect, we get into somewhat of our game predictions of, of that, just because I said the spread of what you think, what it could be. We've talked about it for weeks now, of what it could be because we are at home, what everything, you know, they're coming off a better year than us. And both teams are different, but a lot of the same. No, if you would have, like I said, anything else you have to add, but obviously we'll start with the spread of what you think it could be tomorrow. Yeah, definitely going to be an interesting matchup. See exactly, get to see a team we haven't seen in a while, feels like, and just some new blood. We always like adding new blood. We don't just want to play. Obviously, it's going to come be the opener, opening test we had last year, but it's a pretty good one. So if I were to put a spread, I would probably um, – I'd put it around 13 points. I mean, if you look at just – I'm just basing off games last night. Going into last night, Indiana State was favored by 13. So uh, that's pretty easy coverage for – or cover for Eastern Illinois. But um, I'd put it around probably maybe 10.5 if I were to set something right now, right around there where it's close to double digit. It could be under there, 8.5, 9. But if I were to set something right now, I'd say 10.5. That's what I'm thinking too. I remember saying at one point it could be like a – you know. Barely over a touchdown, seven and a half to ten. I think that's definitely where it would be really surprised if it was below seven or higher than you know, you know, it could be. You said four, you know, thirteen ish. I'd be surprised if it was like really like that much higher. So, so yeah, I mean, you want those evenly matched teams, and again, everything I've heard, everybody's talked about how it's an interesting game in that respect of being even to a certain point. Um, you know, in terms of the atmosphere that we could see tomorrow, we're hoping, you know, we'll get there at a, at a pretty good time to get one of those bobbleheads and get there to see a lot of stuff. But we know Saluki Row will be going a lot. That leads up to everything that they're having theme for this for this game. Like I said, you know, if we, we always guess attendance. And Saluki Stadium holds 15,000 people. First game of the year and a, and a team that people should have seen the coverage, whether it's Luke or us, to get hyped for the season, to show out on a beautiful Saturday evening. Predictions for a attendance that you think of those fifteen thousand. We're not going to sell it out, but Noah, you would see a couple thousand people show up because obviously it's what this team deserves. I think. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, this is where it's it's a it's a night game tomorrow night. It's not going to be too hot like it would be maybe potentially for some in the afternoon up in the upper eighties or something like that. But once we get those lights on and playing under the lights, I mean, it's like we've said, it's hogs the hogs and dogs night it's the faith in the family it's opening kickoff i mean people need to be here and i think we reached the the 10,000 mark i think right around 10,000 it's going to be a good one i'm not going to probably it's going to be really hard to sell that place out maybe if we get on a run maybe homecoming or something but i just think around if we can get to around that 10,000 10,000 mark it'd be big but um That'd be my goal if we can hit that. But if I were to be actual realistic, I'd say about 7,500. Yeah, I think that's what we can aim for. I think that's what it'll be. It'll be around between 8 and 10, I would like to think. And You know, if it was like a noon game, I think you could count on maybe more people. I don't know. Like some, we know how the students are and the dog pound does the best they can. 
that people will want to start going out and about doing that or they'll leave at least early, but at least we'll get the, the count of attendance when everyone's in there ready to go. And, um, you know, we, we count on basketball players to be there. A lot of different people to go. Um, we're hoping. So I, I agree like 8,000 to 10,000, we'll put the numbers in there and we'll retweet it. Saluki sports radio is a big follow of ours throughout each season and game. So they'll have it and we'll retweet it. So I am thinking it'll be pretty packed tomorrow. We're hoping, um, you know what, dogs of the game, before we get into like some bowl game predictions, obviously final score predictions here. Dogs of the game is a big thing that we do every single time. If you want to sponsor dog, dog of the game, feel free to get in our DMs. No, this is an interesting one because, you know, it sets the tone clearly. It sets the tone for obviously the team, but obviously who starts out this season. If these All-Americans live up to what they are, if they start the season well and everything, um, if you were to pick a dog of the game, and then we'll go with a bold prediction on top of that for you. On both sides of the ball and obviously special teams, who are your dogs of the game? Yeah, offensively, I'm going to take a unique one here. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. It's a revenge game for somebody. I'm going to take Jacob Coffle and that just offensive line to keep Nick Baker clean and open up holes for our running back so we can get this offense rolling. Um, so I'm going to take Jacob Coffle to, to, to lead the way and – just make the checks we know we're supposed to. Maybe he remembers some of this um, defense going against him in practice and stuff. He can make the right checks and help Nick Baker out. But just him and helping the offensive line keep that um, Nick Baker clean and open up those holes for those the, the, the loaded running back room we have. So that would be offensive. Defensive, I'm going to go with a, a, a stud. I'm going to go with P.J. Jules to start his senior year correct. He's on the senior bowl watch list, I think. Um, maybe a sack or an interception, one of the two, and leading the team in tackles tomorrow night. Yeah, it's a good one. I like your call pick because it's important for the offensive line. We'll dive into what our week two opponent is. It, offensive lines can have to be on their best, and it you know, and it's a good time to you know start that off on the right foot tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I want to pick a veteran, and I, I think it'll be a nice game for the likes of Rowe or Deontay. I think because Deontay needs to have an awesome year for us. He is that true number one guy, like I tweeted the other day. Um, I think he sets the tone. And, again, they have a lot of new faces, a lot of good DBs they have coming into that program. But I think Deontay, with his connection with Nick, Nick's going to look to find him a lot. And we'll see what kind of plays they do. It'll probably be the typical ones. But I think we can expect Deontay, again, in a season where hopefully he leads us in catches and yards potentially and just bees that guy and I and be that guy. And I can, I'm excited to see Isaiah. Because if he's used a certain way, he could obviously just his comeback. He could be an easy post dog of the game if he obviously win or lose. We do this, but um, you know if he just comes back, has a decent game, just because it's his first game back, he's a candidate for that. Um, defensively, you know I want to say because they're running so much, I don't know how much he'll be dropped back. So I'm not going to pick a guy that can get sacks on us. I'm going to go with Bohannic because I feel like. If there's a lot of runners in this game that he has to be all over the place. You can go with Branson too. I'll go with the new guy because he's a tackling machine and I'll pick him leading us in tackles in this game. Hopefully Noah and then, you know, special teams, you know, well, obviously we need to get, be good. It could be the new Dayton Mitchell on punts. It could be, you know, I think I'm going to go with Nathan Torney just because speaking of setting the tone, flip the dang field and just, I don't know, it could be his confidence moving towards the season because once you play an FBS opponent next week, it could be like you're crapping your pants a little bit. So hopefully Tony has a good game. Noah, you're a specialist dog of the game. And then give me your a bold prediction for this game. It could segue into a dog because obviously if somebody in a bold prediction does good, 
um, they're the dog of the game, but it could be also a team aspect, specialist and bold prediction of the game. Yeah, um, specialist of the game, I'm going to go with Vincent. Uh, obviously, on the return game, we need him to be really good this year and change the place. Obviously, mentioned earlier, we have the all-time on all-time guy on this staff and Larry Warner, Lightning Larry, um, who holds the score record for kickoffs returned um, for touchdowns in 2008 with three. So hopefully Vincent can maybe break that this year. We need something like that to really make this year special. So I'm going to go with hand and a bold prediction. I think um, keeping, obviously keeping Nick Baker clean, I think he can throw for um, close to 500 yards. I'd set it up. Over 450 right now. He's going to throw for over 450 tomorrow night. That's very bold. And we can see it. You're right because it's their style of play. And just, I don't know, they're an interesting team. We'll have to see how they are on both sides. But um, you're right. He could, because he's going to break the completion record almost immediately, you would think. And then leads up to he's so close to a lot of those different other things. It's, he could break two records tomorrow. We'll see. I like that pick because you're very well right. We could just have it aired out tomorrow. And, um, I don't know. I think I think I'm going to predict a really long touchdown run by a running back, but it's going to be a guy that isn't on the two deep that we see coming to the game and we tweeted about recently. I'm going to say Jalen Benefield has a breakaway touchdown in this game. It's one that I just thought of just in terms of that. But if we win and he does that, he could be a dog of the game. That's why I said segue. Um, but even as, as a team aspect, Noah, that can segue us into our final score predictions because you know I'm trying to think of what kind of game this could be if they run it a lot and the clock's going it could be over before we know it and it's decently low scoring if we can't stop the run they stay on the field and our offense stays off the field hopefully we can count on our defense tomorrow what kind of score do you think this game could be like I said a part of me because Sam Herter had a prediction he had this game in the in the what do you say 40s or 30s or something so some people are predicting high scoring and I guess both these offenses are good enough to do it just as the clock runs out because of the time and like to run. You never know, no, what kind of final – who wins and obviously what's the final score? Yeah, I would I would set this uh, over-under up in potentially like 62.5. I think that's going to be pretty high in scoring both offenses. Obviously, it's first game of the year. There's going to be a lot of things that – there's going to be miscues and guys that are just too amped up and maybe miss tackles and stuff like that. So you get a Jalen Benefield breaking a long touchdown run or something like that. So um, I'm going to take us to win, and I'm going to have us winning 45-34. So we get a win, and uh, if our seven and a half, eight, we would cover that also. Yeah, and we've said you know a couple times amongst ourselves how important this game is because <clears throat> it, it kind of is the most important game of the year because it, clearly it sets the tone for what kind of season you're going to have. But if you lose this game, you're already in a hole facing FBS and SEMO. You could very well be 0-3. We know we've kind of started well on first games. You know, Incarnate Word last year, outside of that, we know we got killed in North Dakota in the, in the COVID spring game. And, you know, besides SEMO two years ago, we've kind of struggled in first games. And this season in particular, you don't want to start 0-3. Your season's already shot. And we've talked about what your record has to be. That means you have to rattle off however many in a row, even beating five bad Valley teams. They're going to save you. So I think this game is ever so important. It's the most important game on the schedule for those reasons right there. So there's a little bit of suspense going in because we'll be, you know, biting our nails. Hopefully we're not at some point, but how this game plays out because how important it is to win this game. You're right. I, 
I can see it being both of I mean not too low scoring, clearly like a game in the twenties a piece or something. I'll go with a I'll go with a it's kind of an obscure just because even numbered wise. I'll go with a thirty-two to twenty game. You know, I think again, going into if we have most pieces on offense, we can be confident. I'm excited just to see the defense. Not only how they play Austin P's offense, but just because we are counting on these guys. There's a lot of studs and they're gonna be running all over the place against this running team. So Noah I, we both see or foresee, hopefully, double-digit wins, potentially. Noah, your final thoughts on, on this on this crazy, fun week one that we're expecting, great crowds, everything of that nature to start out one and up. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, hopefully, we like we said, we get a big crowd. Uh, we know we invited a friend, so everybody else listening to this, invite a friend, invite a, tell them to invite a friend. Let's pack this place out. Show show awesome P what kind of atmosphere we have in the valley and give this team the support they need because it's a big one. Got to start out one and zero in this one. We got a big season. We got to bounce back from that rough year last year. Just got to be able to finish games and finish drives. It's it's time to do it and it's gonna be a good one. So it's gonna be nice weather. It's gonna gotta be. It's gonna be back hot next week. So let's let's take advantage of this eighty degree weather we have here in Southern Illinois at six p.m. once the lights go off our lights turned on so come out and support them students come out it's i mean you're not gonna find two dollar beers anywhere students so come out and take it while it lasts yeah they couldn't really do anything more to get people at the games with you want something jeremy chin related we've said he's the best thing that's happened to this program in a long time it's like those little things to get people out they did the discounted tickets for nick baker his number eight you can get eight dollar tickets using a promo code they tweeted out like you just hope and pray because it's also the last home game we'll have to the end of the month. So it starts the month and it ends the month before we're on the road twice. Hopefully people show up for those as we know as well. So um, it's just an, obviously an important game. Yes, you do not want to start whatever it's like I said, some suspense going to this game, a lot going on, um, you know, and six o'clock game, Nick, you know, kind of said something good about, you know, having night games. And I was actually going to add something else. It slipped my mind. So again, you know, we'll look to get there relatively early. Hopefully everybody else does as well. Um, we will have a recap of this game on Sunday and then leading up to, we'll say it again on there. We're looking to do our Northern Iowa or Northern Illinois preview on Friday evening after we get to the hotel when we're on the road traveling. That'll be the, the game. We'll have that for you guys. It'll be maybe shorter, even though it's a big opponent, all depending. We'll get it out late that night for you guys on the early game Saturday. So, Feel free to obviously listen to that one when it gets here. But this is an exciting game. Clearly, we're hoping to start 1-0. An exciting, great weather game that we're hoping has a great crowd. So looking forward to it, everybody. Catch our tweets throughout the whole game leading up to it. Hopefully, there's some interviews. And obviously, yeah, we'll have our play-by-play um, tweets throughout the game. We couldn't be more excited. So for Nick Malone. No alert. As always, follow us everything until we see you guys again on Sunday. Go Dogs.